I'm Christian Chiller. Welcome to my podcast, an enthusiastic ramble through whatever has taken my interest the past week or so. Expect technology, games, history, travel, geekery, and as always, much, much more. Welcome to another Chinchilla Squeaks. This week, I have another interview with Amanda Brock talking about the upcoming State of Open Conference in London, which actually sounds like an amazing event. I may be able to make a tiny part of it, but even if I can't, even if you can't, it will be also online. But we'll come to that in the interview. First, I have a few links for you and then a few updates from me, as always. First, I recorded episode two of a new video and podcast I am making on generative AI. And uh, around that, there's been a, a spate of news around ChatGPT in particular. Microsoft had already funded some of it and is now funding it even more, probably with an eye on monetizing it and turning it into a proper commercial product on Azure, which uh, makes a lot of sense, I guess. And they recently reported that Microsoft is weighing up a $10 billion stake in OpenAI, uh, which would involve not just them, but others too. Uh, they already invested um, some in it already, $1 billion in July 2019, and they now pretty much have exclusive um, usage rights for commercial usage of it. And that would mean Azure kind of gets the best in class on, on that sort of uh, service. So could be very interesting. Anyway, that's that's that. Enjoy these enjoy these uh, tools, these services whilst you can because they're all going to get monetized very quickly. I think I also heard about the Midjourney commercialization version recently as well. So they're all trying to make up for all the money they're losing in the very near future. Uh, so that came up around research for that uh, new show and I think we probably should have the episodes out by the next time I release the Chinchilla Squeaks. So you can look forward to that. That is talking about the beginning of something. Let's talk about the end of something. Uh, it's been reported fairly widely in the past couple of weeks that Twitter rather unexpectedly and rather abruptly shut down third-party API access to many of the tools, well, all of the tools, I have been using Twitterific for some time. Strangely, my version seemed to limp on for a bit, and then it also got shut down. Uh, they weren't the only one, but that is by far one of the longest running and one of the most loved on macOS. And there's a, it's a sad but also very interesting post from Sean Heber on the Icon Factory blog talking about how it's been so badly handled, but also asking people not to ask for refunds because it's not really their fault. And if you ask for a refund, the company is out of pocket for something that it had nothing to do with whatsoever, which effectively means you uh, may have just paid for an application you can no longer use. I think I paid for it a long time ago, so I got plenty of years of service out of it. But um, I don't know. I don't know who was buying third-party Twitter applications in the past year or so, but I'm guessing people were. Uh, but still, it's sad to see that that is now the end of an era. And uh, now there are kind of high-quality proprietary Bastodon clients that are being released. So I guess that's where all the companies will switch their efforts and hopefully their income too. But we'll see. 
end of an era, um, kind of sad. I don't mind the Twitter native client on Mac, but it's it's fine. But it's not quite as, as nice um, as the options, and it's not you know it's it's not good to not have options. I suppose is the argument. On the subject of options, I'm also rounding out a post and video on alternative browsers to Chrome, Chromium, and Safari. Um, well, they're basically the two main ones, I suppose. And as part of that, I found a really good post from it was. It's not a new post, but it was updated in January um, on the GitHub of Eilenberg. I don't exactly know. Oh, Alphonse Eilenberg. There we go. Eilenberg.github.io. He has a handful of timeline uh, posts. Uh, comparison of operating systems, tree of operating systems, timeline of desktop environments, timelines of Linux distributions, etc., etc. But the one that was relevant to me at this time was a history of browser engines. And you can kind of scroll through all the browser engines from 1990 to now and see sort of when they were most popular, when they faded out, which ones overlapped and which one led to which, etc., etc. It's quite cool. <laughs> and it also reflects the market share as well. Uh, and it's amazing how you see some have lasted a long time with next to no market share. Some have been like a massive blip and then gone again and then et cetera, et cetera. And actually he's tracking some of the more obscure ones, some of the ones I have mentioned in the forthcoming post, although some that do not as well. Although he kind of lumps a lot of the Chromium ones into one, which Maybe is is sort of unfair to do so, but maybe it's also hard to separate them. I'm not sure. And I can see a few browsers here that I was always a, a proud user of in the past. Anyway, next big topic was kind of update to the open gaming license controversy coming from Wizards of the Coast and uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Basically, I listened, I caught up a lot with back episodes of the um, Sly Flourishes podcast, getting up to date on all of this. And it seems that in the past couple of days, Wizards of the Coast has backpedaled on a lot of what they initially said and in some respects changed the licensing for the better. But they've, you know, it is often this case when you backpedal, but you've inadvertently caused so much furore and upset in a community that it doesn't almost doesn't matter anymore. It's too late. Uh, it doesn't matter what you fix. People have, have jumped already. Um and so I've got a, a series of posts talking about the various stages of this, when it first happened, the updates, and now the kind of more recent updates. But this has, of course, been a boom time for, well, for, for other publishers and other game engines. And one of the other things I want to highlight from Bundle of Holding, who have had many great RPG bundles, they currently have until the 8th of February a standard bundle title, which is a rather uninteresting uh, name, but it's pretty much a D and D alternatives bundle of Fate Dungeon Crawl Classics, Hackmaster, Demon Lord, Tiny Dungeon, Five Torches, a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of collections of different bundles you can get here of good alternatives to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I sort of wonder how many of these will end up being successful or not. I, I sort of. Whilst many of us deep into role-playing have always known there's really good alternatives, I sort of... Dungeons & Dragons has such market share and such sort of mind share, 
I sometimes feel like it's hard for a lot of the others to compete. Um, you know, people don't mention these games in mainstream media like Stranger Things and, and et cetera, et cetera. But we'll see. We'll see. This could be the time when it changes, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We will see. But good to see things happening uh, for the positive kind of on the OGL side and also for the positive in other people and other companies finding benefit in, in finding alternatives as well. On the subject of games, two posts to wrap out, to, to round out here. One from uh, Jimmy Mayer, who I've uh, featured a few times in the past, just published Sequels in Strategy Gaming Part 1. Uh, he's talking about the development and the reception of Civilization 2, which I remember very fondly. I think I played Civ 2 for a very long time. I think I played that until I upgraded to maybe about Civ 4 or 5, to be perfectly honest with you. So I have very fond memories of Civ 2, and it was more successful than Civ 1, which is uh, not surprising. I think it was probably the breakthrough version in some respects. It was released in the mid-90s, uh, 1996, and it can look dated now, but it's still, yeah, I still have very fond memories of it. You can't really find versions of it to play anymore, which is a shame, but you could sort of find free alternate versions of it, which I guess is the... Uh, the best best alternative, the as we're talking about alternatives, open alternatives, all episodes, really. Uh, and it sold three million copies in the first five years after its release, which for those days is is pretty 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 high, especially when you had such small teams, I guess. Finally, in uh, video games, this is from Ex Berliner, a magazine I am a subscriber to here in Berlin. It's a English language magazine of Berlin. Uh, from Rene Blixer, <laughs> covering digital versions of Berlin in video games from Minecraft to um, Wolfenstein <laughs> and everything in between. Uh, racing games, Call of Duty, Indiana Jones, <laughs> and games I've not heard of. But still, it's kind of fun to see. Uh, and the games vary in uh, in flavor, shall we say, from yeah, first-person shooters to transport games to uh, historical games um but it's quite cool to see how 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 the city is rendered in glorious well everything from about 8-bit to 64-bit here i think but uh if that interests you then take a look that was my links for the episode and now to my interview with amanda brock from open uk I am joined again by Amanda Brock from Open UK. We spoke not so long ago and you were working on a few things at the time. I'm trying to, I was looking on the website to remind myself. I think you had um, a survey. Oh, that would have been last May. So, okay. so yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And you've yeah. also since then done awards. So give us a quick recap of a the past recap. 10 months. You've had several changes of government as well. Which yeah, may or may not have changed. Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did actually impact us. I'll explain why in a second. So, um, uh, so as you say, I'm Amanda Brock. I'm the CEO of Open UK, and I spoke to you, Chris, about six, six, seven months ago, I think. And yeah. it's great to be back. Thank you for having me back. Um, over the last year, we actually have a gratitude journal, which is our annual report that I haven't pushed out yet, and I need to do that. So you remind me to do it today. It's just waiting <laughs> for me to press a button. And we, we look back at the year with each month where we had something happening and how exciting it was. 
in September, we were supposed to have a big event that we had to push because of the Queen's funeral to mm-hmm. the oh, true, October. True. Yeah. So it's the only month that we don't have something, you know, to celebrate. And as you mentioned, we did a survey back in May. We had a report come out in June. We had a Baron's Supper in June that should have taken place in the House of Commons in January. So controversially, <laughs> we held it in June, which was the date they gave us. And I have to say, it's one of the best I've been to. It was really good fun. Then you mentioned the awards. We Each year we celebrate uh, success in open technology, so software, hardware, data. And we had nine categories of awards, which took place at the House of Lords on the 30th of November. Wow. Now, the excitement of that for me was I didn't get to go. I organized them for like six months and then I had COVID. <laughs> and I, I watched from afar as 100 open source people got dressed up and partied in the House of Lords. Uh, we also did a New Year's honours list. And this is something that's a terribly British to have an honours yep. list, right? And it's a royal thing. And I did track that we weren't committing... Uh, treason when we did a pastiche of it uh, in uh, it's true. I think it's the only thing you could still uh, they still have capital punishment for in the UK so you've got to Is be it, careful yeah, well, we, we checked we checked and we were alright so we created this uh, Open UK Honours list three years ago as a it was really an antidote to Brexit and we thought by having that we would do something that cheered everybody up on the you know the brink of New Year and send the celebratory thing out. And we did it again this year. It always gets big traction on social media. And this year we had 100 influencers from open source software specifically. And we worked with Analytica, who helped us put that together using algorithms they have. And we got this 100 top influencer list. But um, I was really worried about pushing it out because it's, it would be such an anticlimax for everybody who's involved if it then doesn't get traction on social and people mm. aren't celebratory, which is what it's all about, is the celebration. And actually it worked really well. So despite the fact that many people are moving over to Mastodon, we still had a a very successful Twitter, Mastodon and LinkedIn campaign around it. So really pleasing. Uh, I think the thing that's best about doing stuff like this and seeing people being recognised for all their hard work, and of course with open technologies, a lot of it is community and volunteering. Mm. So uh, there's a a guy whose mum posted on Twitter about how proud she was of him being given his award, his honour. So it, it sort of made my new year because my new year is spent pushing this out on social and then sharing and commenting. And, you know, it's probably not everybody else's idea of fun. So we've had a really productive six months um, at Open UK. We decided back in March, April last year, we wanted to have a conference and my board sent me off to build a conference. <laughs> and in July, I met with IEEE, who are our headline sponsor. Yeah. So really, for the last six months, a huge focus for us has been the conference. And we held a day in October, shifted from the Queen's funeral, on infrastructure and curation of open source software, which this was a build-up for. So it was a build-up to the conference. A couple of quick things. Um, just out of interest, because I did actually, I, don't li- I haven't lived in the UK for a very long time, but I did study computer science in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I remember there being the British Computer Society, but you have the IEEE as a sponsor, does BCS yeah. still exist? Or? BCS not only exists, but mm. um, we'll talk a lot more about the conference, right? Because it's, this conference is, uh, it's not a conference. The headline statement, my conference is not a conference. <laughs> um, but we have 46 tables okay. in the, the venue and we have five floors. So I was laughing before we came on about, you know, what have I done to myself? Other conferences are happy they get a floor. I've pretty much got the whole building. There's uh, somebody else who had booked a little bit of it before we took it. So we we had to leave them there. So we have five floors plus a a sixth floor with a press area and the outside space. 
And if that wasn't enough, there are there's a lawn next to Westminster Abbey. Yep. And I'm having festival tents built with an open fire in them because you do. And it, it is in February, so you're probably... It is in February. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I mean more, though, is, you know, who needs all this space? But our community needs all this space if they're out in force. And it should be, you know, it should give the vibe. It should set the scene from the moment you get there yeah. that this is not your traditional conference. This is something for everybody and a yep. lot more festivally and interactive in its vibe. And we have, um, after IEEE came on board... A number of other sponsors have come on board who've made it possible for us to have these cheap tickets at 199. But back to your original question about BCS, BCS are actually hosting a table. Ah, so they're okay. one of the 46 okay. organisations who'll be there. I would imagine they have a lot less funds. I have been an, e- an IEEE no, member periodically no. and they're endlessly bugging me about becoming a member again. So. Really? <laughs> uh, okay. And mostly you just wanted the magazine and you right. can't just get the magazine. <laughs> so, so. That I can't help you with, unfortunately. Because <laughs> I don't really benefit from it living in Germany so much. So... <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, so we're, we're talking about the state of Open Con, Con. Uh, February 7th to 8th at the intriguingly titled Queen Elizabeth II Centre, which of course now takes on a slightly different dynamic. Mm. Um, and we were just discussing as well, I think I have been to an event there before. Yeah. Um, right, it's right opposite uh, House of Parliament and it is um, indeed. Westminster Abbey. So kind of a cool spot as well. You can always see if there's any hot uh, news coverage of some controversy with politicians on that lawn, actually, I think. <laughs> with someone interviewing them. Um, you're timing it just after FOSTEM, which is happening for yeah. the first time in first time in person in two years Three. in Brussels the weekend before. So was there a temptation to host it in Brussels as well? Or? Absolutely not. No, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you I mean, we, what we're doing here is creating for the UK for sure, for sure. a conference that it's not had. We want the international folk to come and join yeah. us, but we've not had anything at scale in a very long time yeah. for the open communities. And there and is the Eurostar, of there. course, which is nice. There is, so, and yeah. I may well be on it because we also have a stand at FOSDEM yep. and we are part of the FOSDEM fringe, even though we're in London. So oh, really? we're technically nice. listed as part of FOSDEM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just expanding the reach. I'm a great fan of FOSDEM. Yeah. So uh, we, we've been huge supporters of them at Open UK. And uh, they are um, just, they do brilliant work. I mean, yep. it's huge. It's incredible. But it's a very particular thing. There is it's only one really FOSDEM. Is, really is. I also really like Scale, which is in LA and is yep. happening in March. Yeah. And All Things Open, which yep. happens in October in North Carolina. And yep. for me, these are the three big international community events yep. that I try to go to. And it's always a real honor to be able to speak at them if, I, if I'm allowed. <laughs> I've I've pitched talks to All Things Open so many times, and guess what year I finally got a talk accepted? Twenty twenty. Last year, when I still couldn't go. Oh, I went last year. It was great. So Todd, who is the founder of All Things Open, has been on our advisory board, and Ilan, uh, we didn't manage to connect. Ilan organises uh, scale. We didn't manage to connect and get him on the advisory board, but I think he's going to come onto it for next year, mm. and he's given us some guidance. I, you remind me, I have to chase him because he has these amazing. Um, images of penguins that they used you know tuxes basically they've got their own tux brand and they use them on stickering on the lifts for scale last year and they're sharing them with us so we can use them in our crash on your crash (laughs) our crash yeah yeah so we're gonna have these cute little penguins all the way from la on our crash nice let's so Mm. before we dig into some of the the speakers and things let's um and you said it's not a conference 
Well, it is, um, and it's what do you call it? An unconference? <laughs> a like what's, oh, we have what's, all of what's this. the vibe then? So the vibe is very much a festival of open technology. Okay. So we have different parts to it. We have eight tracks because Sustain OSS is hosting yeah. a conference yeah. within a conference. Yeah. We have an unconference, as you, you you maybe didn't realize that when you mentioned unconferences. So we have an unconference. Well, you mentioned the tables, which sounded like an unconference yeah. to me. So, well, yeah. we've got an unconference room, which Paula Kennedy, Hannah Foxwell, and uh, uh, Terence Eden are organizing. Uh, we have an open hardware room. We have an open data room. And the open data room is being hosted by the Open Data Institute. So mm-hmm. the ODR partnering with us. And then we have open source software rooms. So we've got government law and policy. We've got platform engineering. Well, actually, government law and policy is being hosted by Judy Parnell, who is the head of director of standards at the BBC. Mm-hmm. So quite an interesting woman and brought amazing content together. And each room has got a CFP chair, mm-hmm. a CFP committee and a host. And that whole CFP process isn't so common in the UK. A number of people involved have been really surprised by the fact that we have it. And I know we have it at some of the smaller open source conferences. It just doesn't, it, people have never heard of it before. The venue had never heard of it. Some of the people working in other spaces who don't just do open technology had never heard of it. So explain so that, explain that again. So I'm, I maybe I missed like yeah. so like the way Fosdem does it. You have yeah, a, a call a for proposals. For each, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. For each yeah. bit. So yeah. and it means that everybody gets a chance to pitch what they would like to talk about, and it makes it much more equitable, and it opens things up and improves diversity and all sorts of things, rather than you just go to the folk that you know to bring in the content you know. So we've we've had that across uh, six tracks. So I was talking about the open source software one. So we've got government law and policy, which Judy is hosting. And then we have platform engineering, which Liz Rice, one of our superstars, is hosting. Great speakers in that. And then we have a security track, which Sal Kamich is hosting. And they are working with Andrew Martin, who most folk in open source will know on the security side as a CFP chair. That security room is unbelievable. (laughs) I'm not joking. So we've got speakers that you would spend much more than our conference ticket to just see that track. We have uh, Guy Pajani, the founder at SNCC, who is very kindly coming out of his holiday to come and join a session. We've got um, the assistant director from the White House for cybersecurity keynoting. We've got Eric Brewer from Google, a.k.a. Brewer's Law, flying in to be in the plenaries and also to speak in the, that. We've got Sarah Novotny from Microsoft. And the list goes on. I mean, that room is just like the A-list of uh, open source cybersecurity. Uh, not to say the other rooms aren't great, but it's no, just I the reckon, names in yeah, that room are phenomenal. You can also see Jimmy Wales. Um... Oh, that's day. That's the next day Jimmy Wales is <laughs> keynoting for us. So if we go to the plenaries, we've got um, Salima Van, who's the director from the UN. We've got uh, Camille Stewart Gloucester, who is the deputy director for cybersecurity from the White yeah. House. She's got a long title, which that is not, but she's the deputy director from the White House. They're, the White House are flying two people in for us. Um, we have uh, Eric Brewer will be part of that. And then we've got a bunch of people who will be doing short keynotes as part of the plenaries, including Damani, who's coming in from Boeing in uh, Phoenix. But there is a story behind that whole piece about Boeing, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, we've just got the most incredible speakers. So we have an amazing mm. conference that you would pay multiples of the 199 we're charging for, right? It's really, it, if it was a commercial conference, it would be towards the thousand pounds. Yeah. And you're in a commercial venue, you're in London's best venue for conference speakers you'd pay that for. I sound like I'm selling it to you. I probably am on a way. But then the, the, the thing that matters to me is that it's not just that. 
So we have all this space and we have 46 tables with projects, primarily projects and uh, not-for-profits and foundations are the bulk of those tables. Then we've got um, a few enterprises. It's great to see some from the UK taking tables. People like Control Plane and Jetstack will be there. So we've got um, an opportunity for you to go and speak to the peoples. And for those that you know haven't seen these kind of conferences before, these open source community conferences, we have tables, very basic, no fancy booths. Nobody is having a fancy booth. Um, and you can go and chat to people from those organizations to find out more, to find out how to get involved. So people like Ruth Cheesley from Motic, we've got Yocto Foundation, we've got the Open Source Initiative, we've got uh, KDE, we've got GNOME. Yeah, we've got uh, data on Kubernetes, you know, people like that having tables that can show you what they do. They can talk about the communities, talk about how to get involved. People like GitHub, GitHub, uh, and um, they're also putting an AI booth in. Now, their AI booth has come from their conference in San Francisco, and it does AI painting. The BBC are doing an experience. So as well as the tables, we're calling this whole piece the DX, the delegate experience. So as well as the tables where you go to learn and hang out and meet people, we have these experiential things like that AI painting booth. There's 12 of them. Um, we also have from the BBC a project they've worked with the musician Gruff Reeson. I think it's Gruff, even though it's spelled Gruff, and it's called Seeking New Gods. And the Science Museum did that as one of their uh, their night projects. You know, when they have those evenings you can go to. So that was the whole evening. But that's one of these experiences. And then I think the one that everybody gets most excited about is that Boeing are bringing us a VR experience of flight simulation and space. <laughs> so you know where you'll find me but uh, you know it's not just the normal stuff from a conference it's fun none of these things are charged for once you get in there yeah. it's something that you know it's part and parcel of the experience uh, there won't be fancy catering because it, it, I spent the budget on things oh, for people I mean, rather than on so food expensive for that it's kind so of thing, expensive it? right yeah. there's great places to go for food around the corner there will be food it just won't be lots of it or fancy but it was how we kept the ticket price down to the one nine. That and the sponsorship. I mean, the sponsor's been incredible. So if you imagine that you've got a conference where you have breaks, we don't have the normal breaks. So that the whole thing has been organized in chunks. So between 10 and uh, 12 on days one and two. And the keynotes on day two are at 9, 15, I think. But 10 and 12, then 1 to 3, and then 4 to 5, 30. So I have ADHD and half the people I know in this space do as well. None of us can sit for hours on end. So we've done it so that there's decent sized breaks, but it's partly so that you're not sat there for hours, but partly so that you can use these things so that you have the time to go and talk to the people on the tables. And I suspect that a lot of people will make new friends or um, new contacts as they chit chat around these experiences. You know, it's a way to open up the conversation rather than just walking up to a stranger. And then we've also worked really hard on amenities and we've got things like doggy daycare and a crash and a prayer room and, you know, lots of those kind of things to make it possible for people. We've got workspaces that if people have to go and do their email, you know, they can go and do that and they're available to everybody. Um, we also have a party on the first night for everybody from I think it's 5 30 to 8 30 with the entertainment and again it's not going to be super fancy we're in a recession but you know it is something that is there for everybody and then I, I suppose the last thing I would say is we're trying to make it inclusive 
So for us, sustainability and DEI are at the heart of everything we do. We're trying to make it inclusive. We have 100 tickets for people who are between jobs. We've already given quite a few of those away that are absolutely free. And we have a open source job boards working with us. And we've got a huge wall in a premium space that is going to be a job board. So it's not some little job board tucked away in a corner. It's right at the center of the event. And it's really about supporting the community as much as we can. So we've also hired in a printer so we can print out jobs through the conference and stick them up on the job board for people as we become aware of them. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody's got any more suggestions of what we can do, let me know. But at the moment, that seems to be the best we can do to help support people. We've also got community tickets to give away and we've got uh, student tickets to give away. Fantastic. I, when you keep mentioning the tables... Um, yeah. Is this different from the usual kind of sponsor booth table in that you're encouraging people to like sit down and, and actually discuss no, and show? No, there's probably, it? so it's probably more like what you're used to at a FOSDEM, right? So okay. if you go oh, to okay. FOSDEM, it's yeah. what you're used to. It's a table with two chairs, a pop-up banner and people behind it talking to you. Okay. But it's an opportunity in that space. So they will be mixed up. We won't have an area that's a not-for-profits and an area that's a for-profits. Nobody's going to have the big, you know, swanky booth in the middle of the space that they broadcast from. Okay. It will just be a, a sort yep. of community vibe to it and everybody will be treated equally or whatever. Does, does that mean, do. and I don't want to to spread controversy amongst the pigeons mm. by saying this, does that mean no sponsor talks as well? Or? There's no sponsor talks. Excellent. <laughs> I don't believe in sponsor talks, sorry. No, no, no. Oh, I think it's terrible. Um, I hate it. So, you know, whether this model is sustainable is entirely dependent on the goodwill of the sponsors, but there are no sponsor talks. Everybody, not everybody came through a CFP process because there were some things we wanted to put in and were curated, but there are no sponsor talks. I also noticed at the party another person I've had on the show quite a few times, DJ Brian Bellendorf. <laughs> <laughs> few people know that. He's got uh, it on the programme. <laughs> I know. No, no. Few people know he's a DJ, though. And who oh, is? Right. The connection hasn't been made by many Direct yet. It will from be on Burning the night. <laughs> he, yeah. He DJs professionally. Wow, Our DJs I are don't professional. Know how he's never mentioned that before. <laughs> well, see, the things that I know about people. Unfortunately, we thought we had DJ Fresh and. Um, who is also a Kubernetes developer, which you may or may not know, and an engineering, I can't remember if he's a manager or a director. So I'm hoping that we will have him next year with a bit more notice. Okay. And let's, I just wanted to, um, you've got a, a couple of slots on the program. That's um, quite controversial. I didn't really want them. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me do it. I was actually interested in two of them. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are only two. Well, you got you got a oh, panel. Don't one tell as well. me. <laughs> the firstly, um, one of them you've got specifically around EV charging. Is that something that interests yeah. you in particular, or? So we, one of the things I didn't mention when I was talking about what's happened in the last mm. six months um, in 2021, it's hard to keep track of the years at the moment. In 2021, so we did a, a blueprint for the data center of the future using open technologies to software hardware data. Yeah. And we shared that at COP26 and it was really well received. And last year, we didn't quite manage to get this over the line before the end of the year. But Intel sponsored us on the sustainability side. And we did two things. One is an EV charging blueprint and the other is societal value metrics. Okay. So those metrics will come out later this year, I hope. But the EV charging piece is a blueprint bringing together the different open standards, open source software, open mm -hmm. hardware, open data. And we've worked quite a bit with the Open Charge Alliance in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they will have a stand, a demo area at the conference 
Um, and they will be part of that discussion as well, talking about that they've got an open standard that hasn't yet been adopted in the UK. So we're hopeful it will be. I, I was, my wife used to cover um, smart cities, EV and, and mm. vehicle city, urban vehicle technologies. And I mm. wonder if she's... Uh, come across any of it but she's not actually covering that topic anymore unfortunately <laughs> right still. no no it's an interesting topic though and it yeah. is very topical as a topic yeah no we went to um uh one of our last uh, trips into ukraine before other things that have mm-hmm. happened in the past year we actually went to an ev charging manufacturer in odessa and uh, right. they make them all there and it was yeah. also quite fascinating because they were telling us about all the interoperability issues and things like that yeah exactly um, and yeah. The, the open charge alliance does so much work around that with the standard side and trying to make sure it is interoperable because you have all these companies coming to that market and they get bought and they get bought by the big players yeah. and you know it gets closed down yeah so i think it's really important that we see that opening up and and weirdly it's something i didn't realize that there's obviously there's still i think different plugs Yeah, I think Tesla's finally given theirs the, I think they've opened up the specification, but when you had the charging points, so you could have a universal charging point, but it didn't matter because Tesla had their own plug. Mm. So you would always have to have two sockets to put them in, no matter what. And that's part of it. And also if you're driving, you want to be able to go cross border. I mean, it's probably more important to Europeans than it is to us. But even if you're in Ireland, you know, you're going to want to go from north to south. So those kind of universalities of open and this space is really important, I yeah. think. And it's one of those things around open standards that people forget about, that they're more yeah. common than we think. You know, the fact that even in the UK, you know, you can go and use the weird English plug everywhere instead of five different plugs or something. You know, these sort of yeah, open standards exactly. are things that people sometimes forget about when we yeah. discuss open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So totally. on that, just to wrap up, I, I can see description coming soon, but you've got State of Open from geopolitics to GDP. Yeah. Any, um, Salient talking we- points to bring up now. Or haven't you written it yet? <laughs> I haven't written it. No, no, I absolutely haven't written it. And uh, I didn't want to speak actually because I'm doing the plenaries and organising the conference. Yeah, and fair enough. They wanted uh, something at the beginning to scene set how we got here and what we're doing, which is a lot of what we'll be talking about in the plenaries, but to take it in a slightly different direction so that we go into curation. So what what we're going to do there is do a little bit more detail around where open source is today and it's about the trajectory of the last five to ten years where it's become the norm it's become the standard to use standard in a different context but it has become the normal way to code it's become the norm Mm -hmm. in terms of software uh, stacks most of it will be open source in most cases and what we're we're looking at is well all these people have started using it but do they really understand what it is and how to use it and of course the use case is what's important. You take the software, you use it in a safety critical environment, you use it in an environment that's regulated. You, the user, are responsible. Mm-hmm. And getting people to understand more about what that means and how you implement and how you use open source well is really important. And that will be a more technical kind of focus to the talk. And then Sarah Novotny and Eric Brewer will join me to talk about curation, which is becoming the general, the sort of generic term for that good hygiene and good governance. But in the keynotes, we're going to talk in the plenary session slightly differently. So we're going to talk about the future of open source. And we're going to look at that big picture conversation around, you know, the the keynotes will very much be demonstrating how open source is fundamental to our infrastructure and enterprise and our, our national critical infrastructure. 
how do we get here? Where are we going? And how do we manage the future of it? And that's the policy level of the same conversation where what we're thinking about is, you know, governments are regulated from a security perspective. The US did it first, so it's super exciting to have the White House. Their um, legislation has just been lifted and shifted and it, it, a few changes that are controversial made to it, which are going through in the cyber uh, Cyber Resilience Act in the EU. And during the conference, I believe, we're going to see the consultation from DCMS come out. And I haven't mentioned this, but DCMS are going to have a couple of workshops on that consultation, which nobody will have seen in advance during the, the conference. So we want to look at that future. How do we make sure it's got a sustainable with a small s future? And we make sure that it, you know, it's well-funded, that the skills that need to be developed for people to be able to contribute are developed and taught in schools and beyond. And also how uh, we give back and we make sure that the maintainers are supported with yep. what they need. And this is the sustain track, I guess. Um, yeah. I did go to their last event, <laughs> which was well, a while ago. Yeah. Now, yeah, 2019. 2019 is <laughs> the first one since. And yeah. I mean, there's so much to talk about. The other thing that I think I haven't mentioned in the tracks I missed, and I don't know how I missed it, is the entrepreneurship room. And it's going to be quite different. It's going to look at the business of open source. We'll have 45-minute panel sessions. And then after the panel sessions, there'll be hosted round tables mm -hmm. with founders. So each table will have a founder on it. Um, and we've got people like P Peter Zeitster, founder of Percona, coming in from the US. You know, we've got some quite big names mixed in with some more um, early stage founders. But it will be, I think, an unprecedented opportunity for people who want to understand the business of open source. You know, yeah. how you make money when you've given something away, how you build products, how you work with community, actually talking to people who are doing it day to day. And that content is then going to go into a MOOC that we're building with Strathclyde University. Okay. Actually, one last question I forgot about earlier mm. before we go into a kind of a wrap up and how people can find out more. I noticed because it's something that is kind of usually quite missed at a lot of European and American events, the state of open source in Africa. Um, so was there an effort to invite some people from that part of the world? So that's often the... Not particularly. We just pushed out. We've got quite a diverse um, community and yeah. we have somebody, Samson Gotti, yeah. who's in Nigeria on our advisory board. And we get followed by quite a lot of people in emerging markets. Yeah. I think that the way we treated diversity and sustainability are quite different. So everybody's scoring for the CFP process. 10% of that was on sustainability mm -hmm. And as an environmental and yeah. the sustainable development goal, sustainability, and 10% was on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But we had this 10% for each of them. And then we briefed all the speakers, asking them to keep that in mm -hmm. mind, even if they themselves didn't fit either of those criteria. But we've tried to put it at the heart of everything rather than have a diversity track or a community track or to, you know, the sustainability yeah. talks all the way through. And we have, I think this is probably a first also, we have um, Woodlands who yes, are going to have a table. That, yeah. Yeah. They're going yeah. to plant a deciduous tree in the west of England for each delegate. So we could, we'll follow that up afterwards and we'll show people the trees being planted. And, you know, this is really happening. It's not some yeah. sort of sales pitch. We can't do a proper measure this year as a first year conference of the footprint. Yeah or the impact that we're having. But we've also, in the registration process, we've asked people to tell us how far they're traveling mm -hmm. and what the principal means of travel is so that we can get a bit closer to that for next year. Yeah. I'm not necessarily the world's greatest fan of offset, but this yeah. is an offset that I can legitimize as much as anybody ever can. Yeah. 
and I can show what we're doing and I will show what we're doing. It's better to than try nothing, our best. which is what yeah, most well, of it's a lot do. better than nothing. <laughs> 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 yeah. So we're really grateful to that. I mean, Woodlands have sponsored that for yeah. us. So, you know, yeah, another cool. act of kindness. So, See what I mean? It's not your normal conference, no, no, right? No, 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 no. no. But I don't I'm know seeing... how you explain that to people. No, it's, I mean, I think uh, it's we had time for a bit of a reset the past couple of years of how we do events. And if you're going to do one, then do one for a purpose, not just yeah. because... Uh, exactly. And I can see some really good sponsors and projects. Arm, um, of course, a still mostly British uh, success story. <laughs> There's a, a little story I should tell you about Arm, actually. I know we're running out of time, so I'll be quick. Over the last three years, I've been talking to Peter Adams, who created something called Faces of Open Source. Mm-hmm which yep. is a photo exhibition primarily of US people. I think there's two people from the UK in it. And Peter and I have been talking about getting him over here to do a photo shoot. Yep. And it just hasn't worked out. So with his blessing, we are doing our own version that looks very different and has a different name. It's called State of Open because that's become a theme with yep. us. So it's State of Open the UK in 2023. It's focused only on people in software. And there's around 40 people from the UK software communities who've been photographed. Uh, It's been done by a 25-year-old award-winning photographer who's a teacher at Greenwich Uni. And we will be hanging large some of the people or all of the people who've been in that photo shoot across one of the uh, floors of the building. So that will be across the third floor. And each photo is accompanied by a QR code that takes you to a little bit on a website about them and a video of them talking about open source software. And Arm has very kindly sponsored that ah, for nice, us. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Yeah. So them, I said, a lot of these people, I've had some of these people on the show, Isovalent. Um, mm-hmm. I saw some at Base Row who have not been on the show, but I had a lot of chats with recently. Um, Control Plane. Naomi mentioned um, Nixos, who is a very interesting project. Sync. Yeah, and their founder actually is going to be in the, the entrepreneurship room. Okay. Sync, you mean? No, well, Snick's founder is Guy Pajani. Yeah, you know what Snick stands for? So now you know. Oh, I was going to say security. At least so I was told. (laughs) I hope that's right. When I'm saying that as if it's authority, that's what somebody in Snick told me. So I always remember it. And they said, you know, you'll never forget it now. But um, Guy Pajani, who's the founder of that, is going to be in the security room. Um, You were Nick's before that, though. Their founder is going to be in the entrepreneurship room. Yep. Actually, I think I heard about them at the last... Fostem, when someone was telling me how their entire laptop was reproducible, and I was quite fascinated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, there's some great people. I mean, I'm so excited because I've had so much support from people here in the UK, but from all over the world across the open yeah. communities. Yeah. And it's basically we've raised this money, we've built this thing in a giant space. All the people who can provide you with the content, whether it's conference content, exhibition content, experience content, are going to be there. Yeah. And now we just need all the communities to turn up. We need folk to be there. And on that, so it's, I have to look, because my screen's over here, stateofopencon.com, yeah. £199, which is not, it's not terrible, but London, and it's still an expensive city. So if you can't make it, there's also a free live stream, which yeah. is um, pretty cool. Um, still tickets available? Yes, yes, plenty of tickets. I have no idea how (laughs) I look. I'm not looking at how many are sold. I don't want to know. I'm working as hard as I can and it'll be the same whether I know or not. (laughs) So free live stream and post-event on demand as well. So if you do miss those things or if you miss some of it because you're there and you can't see all of it at once, then um, uh, you can catch up afterwards as well. And um, yeah, maybe I had to make 
two hours of it as we discussed and I it. Hope you do. I hope you do because you'll get a chance just to get the vibe of it. And I, I think the lesson I've learned from this is when you do something disruptive or different, yeah. people won't understand. And it takes time to get them to understand what it is and to find a way to explain it to them. And I think the best way is going to be word of mouth after people have been mm -hmm. at it. So come along, see it. And, you know, there are different kinds of free tickets available as well if the 199 is out of your reach. Yep. But I'm hoping that for that. most yep. people it will, will be Yeah, affordable. community and free tickets as well. So fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, let's hope that we, next year we're talking about it again. You <laughs> so. too. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much, Good Chris. Good luck. No worries. Thank, Thank you. you. That was my interview. Little updates from me, not so much since last week. Still wrapping up quite a few things. I'm nearly, nearly, nearly finished with two new posts and videos. One on alternative browsers and one on writing with IntelliJ. And uh, I'm nearly done. <laughs> so many nearly dones on my new website and a whole bunch of new graphics and branding for my videos. So that is all coming in the next week or so. It's always hard to say, but I'm getting very, very close. But in the meantime, I have done a few videos. I looked at Retool just Monday Gone, uh, which took me a while to look at for the first time. Uh, it was so-so, but anyway, uh, I don't want to spoil the punchline. I also looked at Spline for creating 3D in the browser and learning synths with Ableton, which was actually super fun. I really enjoyed that one, actually. This week, this episode is probably releasing on Thursday. So Friday of this week, of this week of release, which is the 27th of January, I'll be looking live on Twitch and also back on YouTube again at ScumVM and uh, working my way through a few classic text adventure games, starting with Monkey Island. So I'm really looking forward to that. You can find all these details on christianchiller.com. Still on the old, slightly out of date website for now, but uh, more to come very soon. And uh, if you don't find the details there, which you probably won't, then you can find my social networking uh, contacts there and you'll see updates there instead. But until next time, thank you very much for joining me, everybody. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the show. Find out more about me at christianchiller.com where you can find show notes, sign up for my newsletter, and find all of my writing, games, work, and video links. There's also details on how to get in touch with me. And if you want to get even closer to what I do, join my Discord server for behind-the-scenes discussions and helping me produce my shows and work. <laughs>